بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وسيق الذين كفروا إلى جهنم زمرا حتى إذا جاءوها فتحت أبوابها وقال لهم خزنتها so welcome back to this Tuesday uh, weekly program regarding Hell Revealed. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a means of us and being saved from the hellfire inshaAllah. So moving on with, uh, with this series, we move on to some of the remaining discussion about the doors of, uh, of hellfire and then it moves on to the, the fire. There's a lot of discussion about the fire, the nature of the fire where it comes from and uh, how hot it is and so on all of that has been mentioned we're trying to cover all of the uh, the different hadith and Quranic verses regarding that Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad so regarding the doors of uh, the doors of hellfire that we were discussing uh, on the day of judgment before the people enter it the doors of hellfire are going to be closed and I'm assuming the reason for closing something like that is to keep the heat inside Wallahu alam. because what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zumar the verse I just recited in, in Surah, uh, Surah Al-Zumar verse 71 that those who disbelieved will be driven to the hellfire in groups Hatta idha ja'uha until when they arrive at it, when they reach the hellfire, futihat abuabuha, then the doors will be flung open for them. So that shows that the door of the doors of hellfire closed until then. So that gives us an understanding and it makes complete sense for them to be closed anyway. There's also uh, some other hadith that we understand that hellfire, for example, there's a hadith that Imam Ahmed has transmitted. It says that Khabbab ibn al-Arat radiallahu anhu once saw a person performing the prayer during noontime. So, you know, where it's been prohibited to pray at noontime. There's three times in the day where we actually cannot pray. Uh, it, we should avoid praying, uh, which is at when the sun is actually rising itself, uh, when the sun is completely at its peak, which normally people refer to as zawal time. It's actually istiwa time, when the sun is right above. And the third time is when the sun is setting. So, I'll mention some hadith in more detail about it afterwards, but essentially at this time, Khabbab ibn al-Arat radiallahu anhu saw somebody praying during this time and he prohibited him. And he said that this is the hour, this is the moment, this is actually the moment in which the doors of hellfire are opened up. So don't pray during this time. Also, there's a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, now this is a very interesting hadith that many of you may have heard already, it's very relevant to... Uh, Ramadan which is around the corner that when Ramadan arrives the doors of hellfire uh, sorry the doors of paradise are opened up and the doors of hellfire are closed right and the shayateen the the devils are locked up and also the tyrannical jinn so this is really interesting that from this hadith we understand that the doors of hellfire are closed during that time in Ramadan which indicates that hellfire's doors must be open outside of Ramadan whereas the previous hadith says that 
the doors of hellfire only opened up during the noon time so as we move on we'll understand better it looks like that this is actually more of a discussion uh, regarding the people who are fasting so there's another hadith in which uh, Imam Tirmidhi has actually transmitted that one from Abu Hurairah that the Prophet said when it's the first night of the month of Ramadan the shayateen are chained up and likewise the really uh, the bad jinn the doors of hellfire are closed and not a single door of it is opened the doors of paradise on the other hand are all opened up and no door of paradise remains locked idea is that it's much easier to get into paradise during ramadan there's been one there's been one opinion about this which says that locking the doors of hellfire refers to locking them so that the people who are fasting the fasting people will not enter into the into that and uh, it will be basically like a indication of their protection from it likewise the doors being especially open for them is actually for the fasting person so this is in reference to the fasting people that for the fasting people you're welcome to paradise and hellfire well we're not going to let you get into hellfire so it's a good promise that's been given to them so that's one way of looking at it you, you'll see from some other hadith uh, as we move on what uh, what else is mentioned let's move on to the next section how dark is jahannam and how dark is Jahannam? That's a really interesting point. So, Sharik has related uh, eventually from Abu Hurairah anhu that the Prophet said, Hellfire, the fire of hell, was, was kindled and inflamed and essentially allowed to burn for 1,000 years until it became white. Now, I've not looked into the science of this, but when you burn fires for such a long time, according to this, for a thousand years, it became, it became white fire. Wallahu alam. If it was then continued to burn for another thousand years until it became red. Then for another thousand years it was continued to be burnt until it became black. So now it says that it is black just like a very, very dark night. Ya Allah, it doesn't matter what color it is, it's going to be bad enough. Ibn Majah, Imam Tirmidhi and others have actually mentioned this hadith. Then there's another hadith again from Abu Hurairah anhu, that the Prophet said, do you, do you think, do you see hellfire to be red just like this fire of yours? Because generally when you see fire, it generally gives a very kind of reddish, generally people associate fire with red, though it can be yellow and uh, it can have other colors in the flame as well. But generally you see it as like a red blaze. That's what you see. Right? He says, no, th it is actually much more darker and black than tar. That's what the Prophet ﷺ said in this hadith. In, a, in Bazaar, uh, another hadith collector, he says, his wording is, It's actually worse than the smoke from your fire. Meaning the color of the fire of hellfire is actually worse than the smoke of your fire 70 times. Thereafter that, Juzajani, he relates from Abu Hurairah who said that the Prophet has said that the hellfire is more intensely intense in its heat than your fire by 
99 times. Now this makes it a hundredth time, this world's fire, there's two opinions about this. We'll read about it later. One opinion is that this world's fire is, has been, it's one portion of a hundred portions of the hellfire. Another, another one is of a lesser amount than that, which makes it actually more intense. And then he said, it is absolutely dark and frightening. It has no light whatsoever. It is extremely dark. It has no light in there whatsoever. And it is actually darker than tar. Like, you know, tar, it's just really bad. I mean, that's a really bad way of saying it. Then Bazaar has another hadith in which Anas who reports from the Prophet he said, that uh, one, uh, this, the, the fire of this world was mentioned. Somebody had just mentioned the fire of the world. And he said, so this is the other hadith. He says that this fire of the wor world is just one portion of 70 portions of the fire of hellfire. Meaning whatever has come to you of this fire, whatever, world, whatever the fire we have in this world, it's been actually washed in water twice. Now, how do you wash... Uh, how do you wash um, fire with water that fire is so bad that when you wash it it was washed at least twice according to this hadith until we could use it in this world but the fire of hellfire is still extremely dark and terrifyingly dark essentially then there's another narration from salman he himself said that the hellfire is extremely dark it is so dark that it's it is so dark and so frightening that its uh, embers never become extinguished. You know when you've done a barbecue and you actually have uh, embers in there and they stay red for a very long time. These will never become extinguished. They never become cooled. They never cool down. And its flames will never stop. Then after that, he actually read the verse from Surah Al-Anfal, verse 50. Taste the punishment of this fire. Another hadith from Ubay ibn Ka'ab says that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided an example for disbelievers, which is the verse of Surah An-Nur, verse 40. Or like the darknesses, meaning the actions of the disbelievers, they think they're doing something good, but it's just so lost and it amounts to nothing and they're valueless. They have no value because they're like darknesses, like multiple darknesses. And I'll explain that in a bit. He explains it. It's multi multiple forms of darknesses, just like there's multiple forms of darknesses in an extremely tumultuous ocean. You know, when you've got the waves just coming up, there's clouds ahead. It looks so dark and it's like you don't know where you're going. Right. If anybody's had this experience, maybe not in a boat, but even if they've been in a really um, where where there's just these huge waves that are just just crashing onto them, it's like you have no time to recover from one before the other one happens. It, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And that's the example of the darkness in Hellfire. Right. He then explained. This is uh, Ubay ibn Kaab. He then explained that. Uh, Disbelievers then, they are going through five different types of darkness, right? The statement that's uttered is a darkness because it's incorrect, it's batil. The, wor the, the work, the practice that they do based on that would be a da another darkness. 
their entering would be a darkness, their exiting would be a darkness, and basically their entire journey towards the hellfire will then be a darkness, and thus that will be a darkness. He just used that to uh, mention that. Anas radiallahu anhu reports that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now these are hadith in which they don't mention the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa they're probably something they've heard from him, because there's no way they could make this stuff up. They would have heard this from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa but they've not mentioned the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as having said this. You call these hadith mawquf. Right, those hadith which Sahaba say on their own behalf, as though it's their words, without quoting the Prophet ﷺ, but they are about events which they could have only known through the Prophet ﷺ because it's not something you can make up or you can speculate on. It says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this fire of the world a source of light for you, a source of illumination for you, and something that you can use to you know, the fire of this world is amazing because the fire of this world can either be a source of blessing for you or it can be a source of um, punishment for you. So you can actually have fire that you use and the food is cooked by that, the bread is baked by that. That's a good fire, that's a good use of it. Likewise, you can have a fire in this world which ex actually just destroys everything. You know, it destroys the house, it destroys a property, it de uh, uh, property, it destroys people. So. That's essentially the fire of this world. It can do both things. The Haq once commented about hellfire. He said, Jahannam is dark. Its water is dark. It's, uh, it's black, right? Its, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, trees are dark. Its people are dark. Meaning just because of the sheer fire inside it. That's why in Surah Yunus, in verse 27, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it is as if a patch of the night has overcome on their faces absolutely dark. Like they will be overcast like that. These are the people of the hellfire in which they will dwell forever. As opposed to that in Surah Ali Imran, verse 106, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He provides a contrast, right? The day when some, some faces will be bright, sparkling, resplendent, but other faces would have become darkened with terror, right? And with the punishment. Genuine person is frightened, frightened his face is not bright. His face, it doesn't sparkle, right? And of course, we've heard the hadith before that those among uh, the disbelievers, uh, sorry, those among the disobedient believers as well, they will be such who will become like coal. When they've been punished in the hellfire, then they'll come out of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow them to dip into the ocean of life, by which, mashallah, their body will become nice again. And then after that, they'll be sent to paradise. Now we move on to the 10th chapter, and that is actually about the intense heat. Now this is a dedicated chapter on the in intense heat and the other thing that you may not know about, I've mentioned it before, the intense cold of hellfire. So there's actually sections in hellfire which are very cold. It's all part of the punishment, subhanAllah. It's all part of the punishment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah At-Tawbah verse 81. Surah At-Tawbah, verse, uh, I said verse 81, that, that, you see, this was during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when they were about to go on an expedition and the Munafiq and other people were saying to the believers that don't go out, it's too hot, this is too hot a time of the year to go out, they didn't want them to 
uh, be part of the expedition. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that basically say to them that the fire of hellfire is actually much worse in heat if only they could understand that you'd rather undertake the heat of this world by doing what you have to do, right? By doing what's necessary than have to, uh, than have to bear the heat of the hereafter. So that's in Surah At-Tawbah. Then in Bukhari and Muslim, there's a hadith from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. So from the Quran, we understand that it's going to be really, really severely hot. Now from the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, Bukhari and Muslim relate this. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ishtakati naru ila rabbiha. The hellfire complained to its Lord. What's it complaining about? He said, Ya Rabbi, akala ba'di ba'dan fanafisni. You know, uh, part of me has eaten up the others, meaning I've been basically consumed within, probably because it's just been intensely uh, heated, you know, with no outlet. Fanafisni, like allow me to breathe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to take two breaths. Nafasun fi shita wa nafasun fi saif. Now I don't know if there's anybody who's... Uh, you know, an engineer who understands fire, but they'll be able to probably better tell us about this, that the fire is allowed to take two releases, essentially two breaths. One is in the winter and the other one is in the summer. So what this mentions then, this hadith, is that the worst of the heat that you experience in summer is actually from the sumum of hellfire. It's actually from that intense heat of the hellfire. And the, that doesn't mean that hotter places unnecessarily uh, you know uh, worse in the sense of the people there are worse off than people in colder places that's not the case it's just uh, that th this is just what uh, we understand from this and he said that the worst of the cold the intense cold that you feel is actually from it's taking a breath it's releasing something in the winter that's its intense cold there's another hadith in the Bukhari and Muslim, again from Abu Hurairah anhu, the Prophet said, this fire of yours in this world that the humans use is just one of 70 right, parts of the hellfire's fire. And uh, somebody then said, they all said that that's enough. I mean, we don't need any more intense fire. This fire of the world is bad enough. And then he said that... Uh, the fire of the hellfire is actually superior, more intense, right? How many times more? 69 times more. 69, if you take the paradise, if you take the fire of this world and you multiply that by 69 times, then you get the hellfire. Imam Ahmad has, has uh, transmitted this hadith. In there, he, uh, he's also transmitted this hadith, but he has an addition. He says, it was cooled down in the oceans twice. Had it not been for that, nobody would be able to benefit from it. It'd just be too difficult. You'd not be able to contain it in any way. It'd just be too, it would just be too severe. Imam Tabarani has another very interesting hadith from Anas anhu that the Prophet said, that لو أن غرب من جهنم if just a large container, large bucket, a غرب essentially refers to a big bucket. In those days, it used to be made from a buffalo's hide. But essentially, the idea is that it was just a big container. If a container, a large container of جهنم, like you know, with with the fire of جهنم, etc., was to be placed in the middle of the earth, right? Anywhere in the middle of the earth, the toxicity of it, the smell of it right and its intense heat 
would is essentially trouble everybody from the east to the west. Now, I did look up and there's some of the most poisonous and most toxic substance in the world are such that just the nano amount of that, uh, uh, what do you call it, toxic substance, that chemical or gas or whatever it is, is enough to kill a person. This is talking about something like that. Like think of the worst thing, that the worst toxic chemical that is out there that they try to contain. I mean, just look at it from this perspective. Does this coronavirus that we're dealing with, the coronavirus that is spreading around the entire world is probably not more than what you can contain in a bottle. That's how small this stuff is. That's how miniature and minute the size of these things are. So that's the same kind of thing that the hellfire is so concentrated that just the one container of it placed in the middle of the earth would essentially just wreak havoc. The world would become uninhabitable from the east to the west. And he says that if just one of the flames of the hellfire were to appear in the east, its heat could be felt in the west. Mind-boggling. I, I can't even. Ex I don't even know how to explain that to you, logically, right? This is what's mentioned. We leave it to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. At the end of it, even if it's a fraction of that, that's big enough, right? That's bad enough. There's another hadith from Adi ibn Adi al-Kindi that Umar. Uh, from Umar radiallahu anhu that once Jibreel said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam by the one who has sent you with the truth if just look at this if just a hole like a small pinhole literally the size of a pinhole was opened up in hellfire like literally just a little pinhole of the entire hellfire was opened up Everybody in the earth would actually die from the heat that would escape from there. So if that pinhole was up, I mean, it's just so intense. It's just like intensely, uh, you know, it's just intense heat. Ka uh, once Ka'ab uh, said to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu that if from Jahannam, just the amount of a nostril of a, uh, a buffalo was to be opened up in the west or in the east rather and a man was another man was standing in the west of the world his brains would boil and they would actually melt and flow due to the heat that they would find from the other side i mean this is so intense that it just doesn't matter anymore it's just so severe that's how it is abdullah abdul malik ibn umair says then that if the people of hellfire who've tasted it who've who've dealt and experienced a hellfire, if they came into the fire of the world and they were allowed to come and literally be in the fire of the world, like in a big oven, they, they could actually take a nap in there. Likewise, Abdullah ibn Ahmad, he says that I've been, um, it's been narrated to me from Sayyar, from Ibn Mu'azza, uh, he says that, وَكَانَ مِنْ خِيَارِ النَّاسِ He was a wonderful person who transmitted this to me that um, any person who comes out of the hellfire right to the fire of the world he'd be able to sleep in there calmly for 2000 years this fire is nothing compared to that it's like I'll, I'll tell you what it is i think i've got an experience of this right allahu akbar sometimes what happens is that i go to india in the cold weather in december january it's cold weather in delhi 
and those people are all kind of huddled up and they need jackets and everything and for us it's it's normal because we're used to the cold now on the other hand if we go to a place where it's hot right and people come there from another hot country they're fine with it but i feel very very hot right so they could actually see that because they come from a country which is actually worse they, they're dealing with temperatures of 40 degrees they've come to a place where it's 30 degrees i've come from a place where it's 20 degrees so i'm going to be squeamish and there's like i can't stay here whereas that person is saying this is very good i can see you don't put the ac on don't put the fan on it's actually too cold that's what they say subhanallah right you get used to it right but hellfire you'll never be able to get and, and i'll show you what it says afterwards which shows you that nobody's ever going to get used to the hellfire Right, now let's talk about the intense cold, the other part of it, this part that is usually not known because the fire seems to be the majority section here. However, there is the Zamharir of Jahannam. It's called Zamharir. Right, it's mentioned in the Quran as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it as well. And uh, Zamharir is essentially intense, hurting cold. Now, you know, there's several different types of cold in the world. Some cold, you feel cold, but what it doesn't is that it's not so dry, so it doesn't crack up your lips. There's, there's cold which is penetrating cold. For example, the cold of Johannesburg is extremely cold. It actually penetrates into your bones. And there's other places like that in the world as well. The cold of England isn't like that. You can actually deal with the cold. You, you, know, you, you can um, you know, wear something and you can actually deal with it. But some cold is a very dry cold. And that cold is actually worse than the other types of cold because it gets into your bone. Your bones start hurting. Likewise, that's the same kind of cold that I think I felt in Saharanpur in, in UP, India. Right? When it's cold, it's really cold. Right? It's really cold. And when it's hot, it's really hot. So... There's a, a hadith that we read before already. It says that the zamharir, the intense cold and the hurting, biting cold of Jahannam, essentially is a chamber in hellfire in which the disbeliever will become dismembered and split apart, break apart, crack apart due to the intense cold. It's freezing. I mean, worse than nitrogen or whatever you, you know, we have today to intensely cool something down. That's why Abu, um, Ibn Abid Dunya has transmitted from uh, Mujahid, an early Mufassir, uh, 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 commentator of the Quran. He says that in the hellfire there is a coal chamber in which... So what's happening here is that they will get really, really tired of the heat, the intense heat, which we've been descri describing, right? And they'll know that there's a place for coal. So they're just going to have to escape somewhere. So they say, let's go into that coal chamber instead. This is too hot. When they go into, when they enter into that cold chamber of Zamharir, all of their bones are going to shatter and smash because it's like instant freezing, right? Instantly they become frozen and then they just crack up and break. Until you actually, you'll hear the sounds of them just breaking apart. Like almost sounds like a movie, right? You know what they say is that when you go into some parts of the, the North Pole or South Pole or whatever, you have to be very careful because if your nose freezes and you mess around with it, you can actually, Wallahu alam, as far as I remember reading about this, you can actually break it off. It cracks off. Now here it's so bad that it just can't take the weight and it just all break apart. What kind of cold is this? Wallahu alam. Ibn Abbas, it's mentioned from him that the people of hellfire will seek refuge from the from the from the heat so they will be given some respite with a cold with a cold wind which will be so cold that it will essentially crack their bones 
So then they will say, let us give us the give us the fire instead. So it's like neither here, neither there. They're running from this place to that place and none, nowhere are they finding any respite. Abdul Malik ibn Umayr says that it's reached me that the people of Hellfire, they will ask the guards there that let us please, let us go to the outskirts of Hellfire, like to the sides of Hellfire. So they will be allowed to go there. And there the coldness of it and the zamharir of it will, will basically kill them. Right? But remember in Hellfire, every time people die as such, they're just brought back to life. And their, their, their whole body comes back uh, bigger than it was. And until um, they will want to go back to the heat because of how cold it is. I don't know if the, it's worse in the heat or it's worse in the cold. Ibn Abbas uh, relates that Ka'ab used to say that in Jahannam is such a cold, which is called a zamharir, that it will strip your flesh from the bones. That it will just become so dry and brittle or whatever, and it will just, until they would want, they will essentially seek to go back into the heat of Jahannam. So which one is worse? Wallahu a'lam. It's related from Zubayd al-Yami that one night he stood up for tahajjud. And he went to his little water skin that used to have the water in there so he could make wudu from there. They used to have, you know, it's like having a jar of water there. He washed his hand and then after that he put his hand into. So he got some water out, washed his hand. Then he put, the, that's what they would do. They would actually put their hand in there to, you know, then take to wash their face. Because first you have to wash your hands before you don't want to pollute the whole water. He found it immensely, you know, intensely cold. Right, to such a degree that it nearly frozen. So it was like ice. It was ice cold. I mean, we felt that as well. That made him remember Zamharir. I mean, when did we ever remember Zamharir when we've had ice cold? While his hand was in there, he remembered the Zamharir. He then, in just in the concern for the Zamharir of Hellfire, he left his hand in there without realizing until it was morning time. So he basically missed his tahajjud until it was Fajr time. Hatta asbah until it was Fajr time. So his uh, servant came along and uh, while he's in that saying, and she said, what's wrong with you? Ya say, my master, what's wrong with you? How come you didn't pray? Just like you, every day you do tahajjud prayer, you didn't pray today. He said, woe be upon you. I put my hand in there into this uh, pot of water and it was just so severe. The cold of it was so severe that I remembered the cold, uh, the cold areas of Jahannam. And... Uh, and then after that, I just didn't feel the cold in there afterwards. So my hand was in there frozen. I didn't even feel it. I said, don't tell anybody about this until I stay alive. So she only told people after he died. Now, relating to the cold and the fire of hellfire, there's various other verses that are mentioned in there, right? That tell us about it. So this is about the kindling of the fire, you know, inflaming it, causing it to roar and so on. So there's discussions about that as well. Now, as we know from before, remember it was... Uh, it became white, then it became red, then it became black. So that's 3,000 years that it's already been kindled for. And it continues, you know, it's already at a temperature now, after it's been prepared for 3,000 years. Abu Hurairah anhu reports that the Prophet said, now look at this, a very famous narration. It's Imam Ahmad, Imam Abu Dawud, and Imam Tirmidhi have mentioned this. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created hellfire, he asked Jibreel, he said, go and check out hellfire. Right? And check out hellfire and check out what I've created in there for the people who are going to enter in there. So he said he went there and he looked at it and he just saw how it was just consuming one another. It was just in that intense heat. 
So he came back and he said, by your might, anybody who's heard about the hellfire will never be able to enter it. Meaning, anybody who's heard about the hellfire, how can they go into it? Why would they want to go into it? They would, ne they would protect themselves from going into it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this was when he was still preparing the hellfire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a command and he then covered hellfire in pleasurable things. Haram, pleasurable things basically. So the idea is that if somebody does them, um, it becomes the challenge because he wanted this world to be a challenge. So he covered it with, uh, uh, with, with all of these joys and, you know, haram joys. I mean, halal joys are fine, but haram, haram desires and haram pleasures and so on. Then after that, he said to Jibreel salam again, he says, go and look at it and see what I've prepared for it. Right. So he went, he, he looked at it and he came back and he said, by your might, I'm now fearful that nobody's going to be able to say, be safe from that. Everybody's going to go into hellfire because it's just so attractive you made it. There's just so much attraction. And essentially he tells us that there's a lot of things in this world, there's halal joys in this world, there's enough of them that you can do and uh, benefit but as soon as you go into the haram joys and you just let yourself go then you're going into hellfire and that we should be protecting ourselves from you see when you've got something that is burning you need to kindle it at a certain time so that it burns add fuel to it and so on when is hellfire kindled i know it was prepared over 3000 years which which was mentioned the other highest prepared but now to continue to keep it at a certain temperature or whatever Right, every day at that noon time is when it is kin it is basically kindled. So in Sahih Muslim, there's a hadith from Amr ibn Abbasa that the Prophet said, and he described it like this. He said, "Perform your morning prayer, then stop praying until the sun rises." So as we know, we don't pray until the sun rises. Now in this hadith is actually telling us how to pray and when not to pray and why you shouldn't pray at that time. So he says that when it does now rise up, when the sun rises, uh, sorry, when the sun is rising, then that is when it rises, it rises between the two horns of the shaitan. And that's when the disbelievers, meaning those who follow the shaitan or whatever, they would bow down in front of, um, in front, uh, sorry, those who follow the sun essentially whatever they worship the sun they will bow down in front of it that's not a time we should even be showing that we're praying because what you don't want to do is you don't want to be seen as praying to the sun then after that the prophet ﷺ said once that happens once the sun is out of the horizon 15 20 minutes away or whatever after that pray you can perform the prayer now that's ishraq time and um, as they say the duha time or the charge time the mid-morning prayer time uh, and that prayer at that time is witnessed by the angels Mahduratun, and it is a time when the people of Allah they are present to pray at that time, until, <clears throat> until what he said basically is that the sun is right above, so until it reaches its zenith. After that, stop praying again, <clears throat> because that is the time when hellfire is kindled every day. Now, when it moves aside, then now you can pray again. So that's going to be the time. So that's the time when the, the, when the hellfire is kindled. So that's why we don't pray at that time, according to these narrations. Now you know why we don't pray exactly at noon, why we wait. And in some messages they have these red, um, what do you call it, uh, red lights on that don't pray at this time. There's another hadith of Safwan ibn Mu'attal from the Prophet ﷺ that when the sun, um, when, when the sun uh, rises, pray. 
until it's above uh, uh, it's the same thing I mean it's the same thing uh, all the difference is is that the doors of hellfire are opened up at that time of that noon time right until it moves away and then after that it's you can you can pray again so don't pray at that time in another hadith of Bukhari Muslim Abu Hurairah says that the Prophet said that when it's intensely hot at noon time then cool your prayer what that basically means is that just wait until the intense cold has passed and then after that you can pray so that's what you do in summer generally the encouragement is that you pray dhuhr a bit later so that you don't have to uh, you know have people go out in the intense heat to be able to pray he also said it's because <clears throat> the severity of that heat that you feel at that time is from the the heat of hellfire which shows that it's the intense heat of the hellfire uh, which is being kindled at that time. That's why it's the most hot. Now, we don't know of the connection of that system of hellfire with the world, right? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows it best, and this is giving us some idea about this. There's another hadith of Abu Dawood from Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that he disliked, well, actually, he relates that the Prophet sallallahu disliked prayer at noontime except on Friday. And he said that Jahannam is kindled throughout every day except on, on, on Jummah. So according to this narration, Allah, know, Allah knows best because this hadith is a weak hadith that maybe on Friday this does not happen, right? But otherwise it happens every day. Now, that doesn't mean that Friday can't be a hot day. Fridays can also be a hot day. However, there's also other narrations which indicate that the hellfire doesn't, is not just kindled at that time and intensified at that time. It can happen at other times as well. So we've got some hadith about that. For example, Imam Tabarani has got a hadith from Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum. He said that once the Prophet ﷺ came out uh, one day, and uh, <clears throat> it was one morning, and he said uh, the hellfire has been uh, emblazoned and the fitna has come. So maybe he was referring to emblazoned at that time, it was kindled that time, or another time. Yet, there's another hadith from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. I mean, that's where we're going to get this knowledge from, this information from. No science can tell us this knowledge about hellfire because there's nothing to test right now. It's all part of the unseen. It's all eschatological, as they say. Right? So, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet said, Ya ahl al-hujurat, O dwellers of the rooms and the chambers, the hellfire has been kindled. And had you known, had you, would you know what I know? you would laugh less and cry more. So he was saying this to the people around him as well. Um, then we've got some other hadith actually, which is really interesting. It actually tells you that hellfire is also kindled due to the bad deeds of the human being. So the more the bad deeds are, the more it is intensified. There's also a connection between that. And I'll tell you that it's from Surah At-Takweer, verse 12 and 14. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا الْجَحِيمُ سُعِرَتْ وَإِذَا الْجَنَّةُ أُزْلِفَتْ عَلِمَتْ نَفْسٌ مَا أَحْضَرَتْ That when the hellfire will be uh, made to blaze and the paradise will be brought close, every person will know what uh, they've been presented for or what they're facing now. There are two things that cause the hellfire to become emblazoned. Saeed ibn Bashir tells us from Qatada, there are two things. One is when Allah is angry and the other one is when human beings have a lot of sins that causes the hellfire to become more kindled, as Ibn Abi Hatim mentions. I mean, this is no, there's nothing far-fetched. I mean, this is what causes the hellfire to become more, um, more fiery. 
just like it mentions that when you do good deeds what happens with every subhanallah that you read you build a you plant a tree in paradise right any other good deeds that you do you get a place in paradise so just like good deeds will populate paradise the bad deeds would actually just intensify the chamber in hellfire for for a person na'udhu billahi min ghadabillah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protection from the anger of Allah, from the hellfire, and anything that takes us close to the hellfire, that makes us anyway close to the hellfire. Now, there's a, when people go in there, then what's going to happen? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, verse 97, وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْ فَلَنْ تَجِدَ لَهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِنْ دُونِهِ وَنَحْشُرُهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ عُمْيًا وَبُكْمًا وَصُمَّا مَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ كُلَّمَا خَبَتْ زِدْنَاهُمْ سَعِيرًا Essentially speaking about the people who will be entered into hellfire, that will be their place, will be Jahannam. Every time it calms slightly, it will be inflamed again and increased in its blaze. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Isra. And Ibn Abbas anhu then explains this. So now it mentions that, uh, then they mention that when a person becomes like totally burnt out and like cold and coal, like coal and like embers, and uh, it doesn't, the, the hellfire, doesn't find anything to consume from them that person is going to be regenerated recreated into a new creation and then the hellfire will start consuming the person again that's just a whole repeat in in hellfire now where does this fire where is it kindled from so we've got one narration i mean i will only be able to find one narration right that explains this because you know the ulama have tried to explain all of this using the various different narrations and this one is again from Amr ibn Abbasah. He says that in Jahannam is a reservoir. You would probably say the fire chamber, right? The source. It's called Al-Falaq, right? From it, hellfire is kindled and the blaze is created from that. That's where it gets its fuel from. And there's going to be a whole section about this later, which we'll look at, inshallah, right? And what it basically means is that when that when that source that reservoir is opened up from it comes a more intense heat that essentially causes the rest of the hellfire to emblazon in itself and increase its heat right so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says i warn you of the fire which is blazing now it's really interesting it's possible that there's fire at the bottom and there's chambers of fire Otherwise, you could be in a place where there's just intense heat and there's no necessarily this fire. Maybe you can move it because there are places where it's intense cold. So it seems like the picture we're developing from this is that there are places of intense fire. There's literally just fire, right? And there's other places where there's just fire surrounding you, but maybe the flames won't touch you. It's just the intense heat that's coming from there and other types of punishment. Because we know, and he's going to mention this later, that there will be various different types of animal poisonous animals for punishment as well i mean how do they exist in there allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best so it's not just like a fire and you're going to be thrown into a fire it looks like there's a lot of different kind of chambers different system in there and a place where it's just smoke or whatever and inshallah as we go along we'll be able to understand this inshallah much better so i think we stop here 
the next section is about uh, a few other things about the blazing of the fire and then it will move on to something else but we stop here for now may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the hellfire may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the hellfire may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us respite and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to prevent, uh, to prepare before we go and do the good deeds so that we can go into Jannah insha'Allah instead wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Jazakallah khair for listening may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you and if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.